Hey everyone and welcome to the Communication Coach podcast where I'll be bringing you the world of hostage and crisis negotiation into everyday communication. I am your host, Nikki Perfect. communication coach here and welcome to episode five. So today we're going to talk about barriers to communication and I'm going to refer to one of my favorite books. It's a simple book but I learned a lot from this and it's called People Skills and it's by Robert Bolton, PhD, I'll just show it to you there, uh, available on Amazon and eBay and the reason I love this book is because it's simple and clear and he talks about Things that are obvious, uh, things that other people talk about as well, I just find that his book makes it really clear to understand what he's talking about and how it can affect your life. So I'm going to refer to this book as we go through this, Barriers to Communication. Now, when I was reading his book, I was like, hey, gosh, I, I do that, and I do that a lot. And actually, some of my teaching has come from this and other psychologists around what we think is the right way to communicate with other people and actually what it's doing is causing a barrier that we don't even know about. And when we talk about first impressions, it's very easy to already have a barrier there before you even know it. Now I'll cover first impressions in a different podcast and today I just want to follow on from listening. We talked about listening before in a previous podcast and this follows on from that around other barriers to communication. Now the first set of barriers is judging people. And we think we don't, but we do. And we live into our own beliefs. So if we believe somebody and we like somebody, then we are more likely to listen for what they say to back up the fact that we like them in the first place. So think about a time when you have met somebody in your life and you have instantly almost like, oh gosh, I really like them. Or you've heard other things about them. Remember that when people tell you... people that you trust tell you about other people, you are more likely to like them yourself. And also, you like people like you. It's just the way it is. If you look at your own life and the people that you are surrounded by, I bet they have the same sort of values and beliefs as you, or the same drive and determination of you, and we like people that are like us. And we can't help that, and there's nothing wrong with that. So judging. We will automatically judge people based on what we believe to be true. So if, for example, you believe in a religion and somebody uh, starts talking to you who doesn't believe in a religion, you will have an automatic barrier there. Not that you know about, but that will be created subconsciously because they're challenging a belief of yours. Now, another way that we judge is we criticise. And we say words like, oh, I wouldn't do it like that. Or you should do it like this. You should do that. Or, I need you to do this for me. And those words are very powerful because what we're doing is we are telling somebody that actually what we feel is that they're doing it the wrong way and the way that we would do it is the right way. So we are judging and imposing our values and belief system onto somebody else. And you might even find that you do this with your children. I certainly find myself doing this with Megan. And sometimes... I have to respect the fact that she, although she's 10, she has her own values and belief system already. And because something happened in my life, in my past, doesn't mean that she's sharing that same experience. So think about that and how you might be acting 
on that and how you might be criticizing without even knowing that you're criticizing and imposing your values and beliefs on your children or your friends or your family. Uh, let, uh, an another favorite example of mine is when I listen to people telling new parents how to bring their child up because it's based on their values and beliefs. And often you'll get a conflict, perhaps one one set of grandparents believes in one way and another set of grandparents believes in another way. And then the you'll have a clash because uh, the new parents feel that they're being judged. And probably the grandparents are trying to be helpful, but they don't realize that, that they're instilling their own value and belief system onto the new parents who are absolutely exhausted and doing the best they can and already have a set of values. So we judge and we judge very quickly. Every single one of you now listening to this podcast will be judging me for whatever reason, and you won't even know that you're doing it. It's almost an instant reaction, a gut feeling, a judgment that we'll make. And that's why first impressions are so important. So think about how you judge people and can you find the trigger around that judgment? So we talked about more about being more self-aware in, in a, some of the earlier podcasts. So when you judge somebody, if you are conscious in your action and your thought process, you might be able to pick up what it is about that person that you're judging. And it might be as simple as the fact that they remind you of somebody else, somebody else in your experience. And when you think about the relationship perhaps you're in at the moment, maybe your partner does something that reminds you of an old partner. And you immediately think, oh my goodness, they're going to be just the same. Even if it's an accent, even if it's a name, you'd be surprised at how quickly we will judge. And we will judge others based on what we believe to be true. And when we judge, we criticize. And we don't mean to criticize, we just do. We can't help ourselves. So we'll tell them how we feel they should be doing it. Um, for example, I know with Megan that when she sits down to do homework or to go swimming or whatever she's doing, I will have an opinion on it based on my experience and I will often share my opinion and sometimes without thinking about it and suddenly before I know it, I am criticizing and what happens is she'll put a barrier up and, and it will be a barrier to our communication and I have to think, okay, what did I do there? How did that trigger it? And why am I getting this reaction? And it's often because she is perceiving I am criticizing her. So think about that because it happens very quickly and we do it without even thinking. Uh, let me just refer back to this book here. So yeah, so um, name calling, that's another one. And I don't know about you, so Mr. Bolton, Robert Bolton, who wrote the book, he, he talks about name calling. Now there's a famous expression, isn't there? A famous saying, saying sticks and, sticks and bones, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, rubbish words hurt a lot okay this is my opinion i get that and i'm saying rubbish very powerfully and strongfully there but you know words do hurt and when your kids come home from school you know if somebody has said something to them or think about when you're at work and somebody says to you how many times has somebody said to you hey you're doing a really good job but and you think oh my word here we go here we go i'm going to get some criticism here now, there is a difference between feedback and criticism, I just want to say that, and also name-calling, and we're talking about name-calling, but we sometimes use words like idiot, off the cuff, idiot, oh, you're such an idiot, and we don't mean it, and sometimes we use that word with ourselves, uh, how many times do you catch yourself saying, oh my god, I'm such an idiot, or I never follow through, this is one of my big things, is uh, that I 
sometimes beat myself up much more than I should do. And I'm constantly being pulled up by my partner. Pulled up, by the way, means um, it's highlighted to me. So I'm very lucky I have a very honest relationship with my partner and they will tell me about words that I'm using or phrases or sentences and often say, you know, you're being really hard on yourself, Nick. You're being really hard on yourself and you're calling yourself a name. And sometimes I will catch myself doing that. You know the old inner voice? The old voice, you're such an idiot. You're such an idiot. Why can't you just do that? You know, technology really frustrates me. And I'm not the best at technology, but I have skills in a different area. And sometimes when I can't do something or it takes a long time, I'll just go, oh, I'm such an idiot. Why can't I get this? And idiot is a powerful word. It's a very negative word. And you'll find that you might use that inadvertently with other people without meaning to. And when you are called a name by somebody else for whatever, think about road rage. You know, think about uh, the words that people use against you in road rage. You're so stupid, he can't drive. You know, all those sorts of swe and swearing words that people use against you. And, it, and, and you, it will invoke a reaction from you, normally a negative reaction, when people call you names. And what about those people who are slightly different? And they are called names, you know, fat and ugly or ginger, all those sorts of things. So words are really powerful and they do, they do hurt and they, they can hurt people. You know, the thing I've really learned about words is they can empower people and they can be really powerful. And people can walk away from a conversation going, do you know what? I feel really good about myself. That was amazing. Or they can disempower and they can hurt. And especially when they're emotionally driven. You know, we talked about emotional conversations emotionally driven conversations will sometimes you will say words that you don't mean to and they will hurt and they will sting they really will and think about when somebody has used words against you and how you felt and how you walked away from that conversation okay so now we're going to talk about uh yeah diagnosing how we are always so great at diagnosing other people's problems about giving them the answer Solving their problems for them when it's not our problem to solve. Because every time you solve a problem for somebody, you know what? You're solving it on your values and beliefs and your experiences and not according to them. And I see this in personal training a lot. I see people who are personal trainers and what they do is they set people a program based on what they believe to be true. Based on what has worked for them and not with the individual. Because we are all individual and not everything the same works for every person. That's why dieting is different for people. That's why some people can be really strict and other people struggle. And some people just work on a basis of you can eat what you want as long as it's within your calories or very specifically you need to look at your macronutrients and your protein and your carbs and your fats because we're all individual. And when you come at something from your own point of view, you solve the problem according to your point of view. Because it's all about you. And it's all about how you think and what you would do. So think about when somebody talks to you, rather than solving the problem for them, just listening to them. And just using reflective language back to them. Uh, the We do this a lot with people we really care about. So they w might come home from school or from work and say, I've had a terrible day. Or I'm so stupid. Or... Um, I, I'm fat or I'm ugly compared to my friends and immediately as a parent especially or, or actually if it's your other half or someone you care about you immediately say to them no you're not no you're not because you're t you want to take the pain away so you want to take the pain away from them and reassure them and say no you're not well this is about how they feel not about how you feel 
So you don't know how they're feeling. So by dismissing it, although you're dismissing it out of kindness because you want to wrap your arms around them and protect them, you're not acknowledging how they feel. So you're not acknowledging the emotion. So acknowledge the emotion and then deal with what you've actually got. So, for example, if they come home and say, I don't know, if your kid comes home from school and say, God, I'm really ugly compared to all the other kids at school, you can say, gosh, that sounds painful for you. What, what makes you say that? And encourage that conversation, encourage the sharing of the feelings. And it might be that there is a trigger that something has happened specifically on that day that they want to share with you. Praising. Praising for no reason. And I've read a lot of books around uh, bringing children up and adolescents are doing some work with parents and teenagers around communicating and talking about praise. And sometimes we praise people and don't tell them why. So we'll just go, hey, you're really beautiful or hey, you're amazing. And I remember I remember picking Megan up from a swimming competition and she hadn't done as well as she had hoped she would do and she hadn't won any of her races and she came out into the car and me wanting to be the reassuring, you know, parent, carer in her life, I went, hey, champ. She looked swear in the eye and she said, I'm not a champ. I'm not a champ. So by me referring to champ, when she's already feeling flat, emphasised the fact that she hadn't done as well as she wanted. So praise for no reason doesn't feel like praise. So if you say to somebody, hey, you're great, or, hey, you're amazing, because you want to boost them. You know, I know I know why we do this, and I know what we're doing is we want to boost people. But if you say something like, hey, you're really amazing, the way that you didn't do so well in your last competition, and you worked really hard, and you, you were great today, and you got what you deserved, you got your, I don't know, you got your, your first or your second place. Or, hey, you really work hard because I have seen the amount of hours that you're staying on after work to get that project done, and I really appreciate it. Or, hey, you're really clever because you have taken those exams and you scored really well. Do you see what I mean? So we praise the actual action. So even if it's something small, even if it's something like doing a couple of chores on a trot or if it's you've got a couple of siblings and one of them gives their sweets or hands over something to the other one, you can you know praise the action. Hey, I love the way that you took time out to give so-and-so your sweets. Or I, I felt that was really caring that you recognised that they were hurting or whatever it might be. So praise the action. Then we have another section called sending solutions. So we order people. We order people to do things. And again, we don't even know that we're doing this. And this is again around the words, you should, rather than you could, and I want, or you must, or do that for me, do this. And we order people around, and sometimes we don't even realise that we're ordering people around. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but even when somebody says something to me, I, I push back on it. I can feel myself pushing back on it, and I won't necessarily do it. If there's a please or thank you, and these are val my values and beliefs, and I totally get that, but if there's a please and thank you, I'm far more likely to do it. Or if I like the person that's asking me to do something, I'm far more likely to do it. But if somebody says to me, do that, I'm less likely to do that. I will have a pushback reaction because I feel that I'm being ordered and controlled around that. Uh, we threaten people. You know, we if you threaten people, so if you say, if you don't do that, then this is going to happen. If you don't do this now, then I'm going to take this away from you. 
if you're not on time tomorrow at work, then you're going to lose your job. And threaten people. That will get you a negative reaction and become a barrier to communication. If you don't um, replace my car immediately, then then I'm going to take some action. I'm going to come around and I'm going to shout at you. And that's an emotional conversation, remember. So when we talk from a point of view of emotions, we are less likely to be log logical in our conversations and we'll, we'll say things that we don't mean. Now, I can remember just recently having a conversation with a guy from a car sales place. Now, I have a car. It's bro it has broken. There was something wrong with it. It's only three years old. I was looking at paying a lot of money out. And I put it into the garage and was fighting for the own. For it's, it's a big, it's a big company, so I was fighting for the big company to pay for some of the damage that had happened to this car. It's only three years old, and I'm not getting there. Uh, so when I phoned them up and spoke to them, they said to me, "Have you had it fully serviced according to the rules?" And I was like, "Yes, I have. All, it's all in the uh, glove compartment. Have a look at the logbook." Uh, he came back and he said, "Oh, you've missed. You've missed a service." And I was like, "Well, hang on a sec. I thought it was like..." 20,000 miles or every year and he said no it's either or and I was like okay so he said to me so this is your fault you you're gonna have to take uh, some responsibility around this and they might not pay now that is fine that is fine to say that but when I'm angry and I'm anxious and I'm frustrated and I'm worried about how am I going to get the money in to pay this that is not the right thing to say and I did actually say to him I don't know if you know this, but when you said that to me or when you say that to me, you are going to get a negative response for me, from me because, yeah, I know that I need to read the paperwork a little bit closer or whatever it might be. But then when you point it out to me right here, right now, when I'm feeling a bit emotional, that is not going to help the situation. It's like, it's like when you do something at home, I don't know, uh, you put a red sock in the washing machine and then you try and turn the washing machine off and you can't turn it off and everything turns pink. I have just seen Paddington Bear 2, which is why that probably popped into my mind. And somebody says to you, well, you should have checked the washing before you put it in. Yeah, I know that. I know that now. Hindsight is marvellous. Thank you for your comment. That's not going to help. Or if you were walking down the street in a pair of heels and it's icy, and you slip over and you break your ankle, and some somebody says to you, well, why were you wa walking in a pair of heels? That's ridiculous. You're like, yeah, thank you for that. I know that now. I get it. Hindsight is marvellous. I don't need to hear that right now. We're always great at solving other people's problems and giving them our valued opinion, you know, uh, so that we know what they're going through or we, we perceive that we know what they're going through. And then lastly, avoiding the other's concern. And this is when we divert because we don't want to talk about it or we see somebody's angry, but rather than labeling the emotion, we talk about the action. So if you are working in a school and one of the kids comes in and throws a chair on the floor and the, your immediate reaction is, what on, what on earth are you doing that for? Rather than, hey, you look really angry. And then addressing the behavior. Or if you want to make a point in a conversation rather than saying something like you make me feel you know you make me feel awful so take responsibility for your feelings and say i feel when you come into the room and you're shouting at me confused because i don't know why you're shouting at me or label the action as that when you do that i feel this 
works very well with teenage kids coming in, pushing the boundaries. You know, when somebody comes home late and you've been waiting up for them, there is a time that they're supposed to be back. They're not back. One hour passes, two hour passes. You get frustrated. You get angry. You are worried about them. There's no reply on the phone. There's no reply on the text message. And then at three, four o'clock in the morning, they turn up home. They are drunk or high or neither, and they've just chosen to ignore you because they were having a good time. And what you want to say for your emotions is an awful lot of things, like, how dare you look at you? I'm so angry. You make me so angry. You're so disrespectful. And if you say those things, you are likely to get an emotional reaction back. So if we take responsibility for our feelings and we say, you know, I feel really angry at the moment because I asked you to be home at 11, I've been waiting up, I've been worried, and you turn up and you're drunk, or you turn up and it looks like you don't care. And that's it. You've, you've given your emotion, you've been assertive in your conversation, but you haven't let your emotions get the better of you. Or when you turn up at this time in the morning, and I've been worried sick and you haven't answered your phone to me, I find that really frustrating. And then we're done. And there'll be a lot of things that you want to say, I feel sure, if you're anything like me. And it's about having that control. It's about having that control to use language that will not invoke an emotional response. Does that make sense? So yeah, so it's, it's about taking responsibility for your feelings. And they are the barriers. And the another barrier is asking lots of questions. And I really noticed this when I first started to pick Megan up from school. And, you know, you pick, you pick your kids up from school and you want to know how they've got on and what their day's been like. And I don't know about you, but I get this. Hey, how was your day? You all right? Okay, what did you do? Uh, nothing interesting. Right, and so then I'll ask a load more questions. And then what I will get is, why are you asking me loads of questions? It's like an interview. Or I won't get anything and I'll be like, why are you not talking to me? Why have you got the hump? And they'll be like, I haven't got the hump. Because what you're talking about is not necessarily what they want to talk about. And so a normal conversation of you trying to show how much you care and want to interact.